So today we're actually picking up immediately where we left off last Sunday. So last Sunday at our combined service. And a quick recap, we heard uh, last Sunday how people were amazed at the authority of Jesus' teaching. We saw how the spiritual realm who oppose God's rule shudder in his presence and submit to Jesus' commands. We saw sinners turning their backs on lifestyles that weren't in alignment with God's will and going all in with Jesus. We saw that. And we heard God's call to our own heart, calling us out personally to surrender everything to the authority of Jesus in response to his powerful proclamation to us. And so today, we, as we pick up again with Jesus in Capernaum, right after our text from last week, we're going to begin with prayer. So let's pray. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable to you because you are our rock and you are our redeemer. Father, strengthen us today by your power. Lead us in your truth. Convict us of the things that you're calling us to change. Sanctify our lives by the Holy Spirit and comfort us as we gather together in your healing presence. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Who here has heard of C.S. Lewis and his uh, novel, The Screwtape Letters? Okay, so a couple of you. It's an extremely popular novel that Lewis wrote early on in the 1940s. So it's actually a long time ago um, in terms of that. But in his novel, The Screwtape Letters, there's actually the main, well, one of the big characters is Screwtape. Funny name. But Screwtape is actually a senior demonic figure in his book, okay? And Screwtape is actually a mentor to Wormwood. Another funny name. So you've got Screwtape, who's the senior demonic figure, and you've got Wormwood, who I think is his nephew, and also a junior tempter in the demonic realm, okay? Junior. And so the idea is that Screwtape writes letters to Wormwood giving advice on this how to undermine a Christian's faith and so promote instead a life of sin. Because that's what demonic oppression is all about. It's about undermining faith and promoting sin. And while this, while this book is a work of fiction, I wasn't surprised to hear that C.S. Lewis is actually quoted as saying that this book was no fun to write. No fun. And I think that's because when Satan and his demonic uh, angels or fallen angels are actually exposed for what they get up to, they don't like it very much. And when God's word is preached and taught so that Christ is rightly exalted above all things, when you worship him from your heart in spirit and in truth, when you treasure the promises of Jesus' teaching and willingly surrender to his authority, you will face spiritual oppression and attack. Period. And like the screw tape letters, the tactics that Satan uses to undermine your faith and, and promote sin in your life can be surprising if we're not looking for it, if we're not uh, prayerfully looking for those little crafty and cunning ways that he tries to get into our lives. Next slide. So, faith talk. I, I want to ask you, in the life of a husband and a wife, 
What would be the most obvious target for Satan? What do you think? Husbands and wives, what's an obvious tactic for Satan with you? See, the thing is, if Satan can actually attack a marriage, something that God has joined together, if he can get in there and get a husband and wife fighting against each other, going at each other, getting upset at each other, he can leave because the sinful nature will keep it going and he doesn't, his work is done there. He can go because people are going to fight, keep on arguing. That's what's going to happen. It's a tactic between a husband and wife. He attacks the marriage. All right. What about parents and children, families? What's a tactic that Satan would use to actually disrupt families? Disobedience. Selfishness. Focused on me and what I want. See, I reckon that that's all true. If you can get into a family and actually stop them communicating with each other, stop kids talking to parents, stop parents talking to each other, stop kids talking to each other, you can have a house full of people who actually feel, feel isolated because they're, they're not actually talking to each other, they're not communicating. The family isn't nurturing and loving each other because they all live in their separate bedrooms and never actually talk to each other. You can undermine uh, God's blessing of uh, family relationships by attacking the family in that way. What about people who are sick? What does Satan uh, use as tactics to undermine the faith of sick people? Blame God? Absolutely. Oh, yeah, you're being punished in this way. This is, these are not God's words, these are Satan's tactics. Okay? So, seeds of uncertainty. Does God really love you that much? Is God really going to rescue you from death or disease? Aren't you scared of what's going to happen to you? That's what he did in Genesis. Did God really say you couldn't eat from this tree? He undermines. It's a tactic. And the biggest tactic common to all Christians, can you think of what it might be? What doesn't God want you to do today? He doesn't want you to be here. He doesn't want you to be here in His presence. He doesn't want you to hear the life-giving Word of God. He doesn't want you to come forward to the altar to receive Holy Communion. He doesn't want you to receive healing. He doesn't want you bringing your burdens to the altar and handing them over to Christ and leaving them at the foot of the cross. He wants you to be at home. He wants you to feel sleepy and think, oh, I can't be bothered going to church today. It's too tough. I'll go to a service later or I'll go next week. He wants to keep you away from the life-giving and life-transforming gifts of God in Christ. Keep you isolated and alone. He doesn't want you here. And that's the biggest tactic that Satan uses with all Christians. It's common to us all. I want to read to you from 1 John chapter 4, verse 4 and it says this, You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them. That's false teachers who preach another gospel other than Christ. 
demonic realm. You've overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Greater is he who is in you than the one who is in the world. And today, this very day, you are going to see that word enacted by Jesus in Capernaum. You're going to see that. Today, you will experience that word enacted in your life in a very present and personal and intimate way today. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever and they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand and helped her up and the fever left her and she began to wait on them. And that evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. And very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him and when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone's looking for you. There's a lot going on in Mark chapter 1, 29 to 31. There's so much happening. He's preached his sermon on the mount. He's moved into his teaching in the synagogue that happened last week. And the text says immediately after exiting the synagogue, Jesus is on route to Simon Peter's home and an encounter with Peter's mother-in-law. Did you actually know that the Apostle Peter was a married man? You thought about that? It's Peter's mother-in-law. He was actually married. The Apostle was married. The first Pope was actually a married man. Interesting stuff. Now, he had a wife who travelled with the disciples in the service of Jesus and he wasn't the only one. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9, don't we have the right to take a believing wife along with us as do the other apostles and the Lord's brothers, Jesus' brothers and Peter. So Peter's wife was a follower of Jesus with him and history tells us that when she was led to her death on account of Christ, yes, she gave up her life as a disciple of Jesus Peter's final words of encouragement to the woman he treasured as his wife were these. Remember the Lord. Could have said so many things, couldn't he? As his wife was led to her death. But he said to her, remember the Lord. It's her mum, Peter's mother-in-law. She's flat out on the bed with high fever. She's sweating She's feeling awful and Jesus, whose love and compassion burns much hotter than any fever, reaches out to her and pulls her up to her feet and the healing touch of Jesus instantly, completely drives the fever out of her and she's completely restored, absolutely completely restored. No effects of fever or flu or anything like that left in her. She's not burning up anymore. Her temperature came down immediately. And then overflowing with gratitude, her response to Jesus is discipleship. Straight away, she gets up and starts serving. And the word that's used for this woman waiting on Jesus is the word we use in English for ministry. 
ministry. So, immediately she responds to Jesus' healing by ministering to Jesus and the other disciples. And so, I ask you today, do you see yourself as a person who is in ministry or do you see yourself as a person who only receives ministry? Are you a person in ministry or are you just a receiver of ministry? Now, Jesus had the biggest day ever and it's not over yet by a long shot. By the time the Sabbath has ended at about 6pm that evening, the whole town is on Peter's doorstep. There are people who are sick with all kinds of different diseases and fevers and ailments. There are demon-possessed people who are oppressed and weighed down by Satan and evil spirits. And so Jesus opens the door to a whole town weighed down and broken and crying out for healing. A whole town with eyes fixed on Jesus, hoping that he won't overlook their need. Hoping that they won't have to spend one more sleepless night suffering under the weight of their struggles. Now you read before in our theme verse that Jesus healed many. What that actually means is Jesus healed them all. Everyone. No one was left. The many that were there on his doorstep all walked away healed. He touched people who were sick and diseased and they left transformed and renewed. The people were witnesses of the kingdom of God coming with absolute power into their ordinary lives. They witnessed God's protective and jealous love for his people absolutely shattering Satan's hold over burdened people and driving back evil and driving it out of people. Which begs the question, how on earth does an encounter like that leave a whole town of people? What kind of celebration, what kind of commitment to serving in ministry flowed out of Capernaum that night at Peter's front door? Well, the mother-in-law, she responded, she jumped to it and got into ministry. And the crowds at Capernaum, we read later on, were back on Peter's doorstep the next morning early, but we don't know if they were wanting to serve or if they were just looking for another miracle, looking for another sign. What impact will Jesus have in your life today? What impact is Jesus having on our community here at Trinity I think it's pretty significant. Jesus Christ is present here today. Jesus Christ is here. Father, Son and Holy Spirit, that's why we call on his name, is present among the pews where you are, here where I am. God is present. He's not absent What is it that you're going to ask of him today? What do you want to ask Jesus for? He's here. What are you going to ask him? What is it that keeps you down? What is it that keeps you burning up like a fever? Is it anger at someone? Does that burn? Do bitter thoughts consume your thought life? unforgiveness, shame over things that you've done? Are you physically sick or in pain and wanting Jesus to minister to you and to help you today? Do you relate to the screw tape letters because you're aware that Satan's tactics are a work in your marriage or in your home or in your life 
or in the lives of people you love and you want to see them unburdened. Well, God actually today invites you to carry all the things that are weighing you down, no matter what they are, how big or how small, and to bring them forward in this church to the altar at Holy Communion. Carry with you the people that you love, even if they're not here. Remember, Jesus looks deep, deep into your hearts and bring their needs to Jesus at the altar today and then leave them here at the foot of the cross. Today, sit and just be in the healing presence of God. And if you need to stay a while at the altar, then you stay and people will move around you. We do not confess an absent Christ in this church. We do not confess an absent Christ. We confess a Christ who is present amongst his people with real presence, with real power. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am with them. Let's claim that promise today. Let's claim this promise of Jesus as he reaches down to you and touches you through bread and wine. Today, know that Jesus Christ pours into your life the awesome power of the kingdom of God. Know for certain today that the same power at work in Capernaum at Peter's doorstep is available to each and every one of you. And if you don't regularly commune, that doesn't matter. Come forward anyway. Come to the altar. Know that when you hear a blessing, you might hear my voice, but the one who actually blesses is Jesus Christ. The blessing comes from God. And then remember something. Recall the screw tape letters. Remember that the evil one would have you believe that God doesn't care that much about you, that he wants to deal with the things going on in your life here at the altar today. That's what he wants to twist and actually deceive you with, that your needs are too insignificant compared to others, even though you know deep down in your heart that you need the power of Christ, the healing power of God flowing through your veins. He would have you justify your sins. He would have you harden yourself so that you don't see your need for forgiveness, so that you don't see your need for holy communion. The evil one doesn't want you carrying your burdens to the altar today as you approach the living and present God. He doesn't want that. Friends in Christ, do not be deceived. Do not be deceived. God wants all his people to turn to him for help. God wants that. He calls his people to lay their burdens at the foot of his cross. He calls all people to confess and receive the healing balm of forgiveness and new life in Christ. No one today will be overlooked by Jesus. No one. Every single one of you is important to God. He will not overlook you. Isaiah 53. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our diseases. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds we are healed. Colossians 
speaking of the cross, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. You are united to the risen and present Jesus Christ by faith. The resurrection is God's cosmic proclamation of victory over sin, death and the devil and that victory is yours in Christ. No one outflanks God. No one outmanoeuvres God. The cross is sufficient for everybody here. No one outmanoeuvres our Heavenly Father. Come to the victory feast. Come and behold your King today who reaches out to you in the mystery of Holy Communion. Today you experience the mystery of God enacted in your life in a very personal and a very intimate way. And in response to that, I pray that God would ignite in your heart a deep desire like Peter's mother-in-law to be involved in ministry ministry in the name of Jesus that will build up and enhance our community here in Cairns. May God bless you as you come to his altar today. In Jesus' name, Amen. And may the peace of God, which surpasses all human understanding, keep your hearts and your minds safe in Christ Jesus, our Lord and our Saviour.